0: Well, with what Lent or your feelings about it, but I think it would be fair to have mixed feelings, maybe about a season that's typically seen as all about giving up something you enjoy for forty days <laughs> <laughs> plus six Sundays. <laughs> uh, anyway, on this first Sunday of Lent, we just heard the story uh, about Jesus fasting and being tempted in the desert, and. Um, like we heard already, drawing inspiration from this story, Lent is an invitation to prepare for Easter by figuratively following Jesus into the wilderness. Um, Trappist monk and contemporary teacher Thomas Keating put it like this, quote, Jesus went into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. The practice of Lent is a participation in Jesus's solitude, silence, and privation. So Lent as a participation in this particular experience of Jesus' life. That's the invitation. Which begs the question, how? And also maybe the question, why would we want to? (laughs) Um, I'm aware that there's so many things that could be said and are said about Lent. And so I'm just going to say one thing. (laughs) And uh, the one thing is that I feel like there's no real way to understand what's going on with Jesus in the desert without remembering that immediately before this, he has taken an important step towards starting his public life and work um, by leaving home and heading to the Jordan River to be baptized by his cousin John. So for three decades, Jesus has been developing, learning and becoming as a person, With a growing sense of what he feels he's called to be do and say in the world but true to our common human experience um, he doesn't know or understand everything about what this means and after his baptism um, i believe he still doesn't know or understand everything but he has received from the spirit the gift of knowing one thing and it seems fair to assume then that this one thing is a pretty essential thing for him to know, in order to navigate all the unknowns and challenges ahead of him. In the Gospel of Matthew, just a few verses before the story um, we heard today, we read this about what he received. Suddenly, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. So that is the one thing that he's given to know. His unshakable identity as beloved son, his essential and unconditional belovedness in relationship to a loving God. Before he begins to do or say any of what we might see as the real, meaty, significant stuff of his life, before he's in the public eye doing um, things that will bring him praise or criticism, approval or misunderstanding, he is given to know that he is secure in his connection with God, that he is fully and deeply loved and delighted in exactly as he is. And this is what we almost essentially need and long to know, isn't it? That we are fully and deeply loved and delighted in just as we are. Um, Of course there are plenty of other things we desire and need or least feel that we need it seems to be part of the human condition to often get our wants and our needs mixed up and to often seek to meet our needs in futile or destructive ways Um, thomas keating who i quoted earlier used the term emotional programs for happiness or false programs for happiness to describe the ingrained unconscious structures of belief and habit that drive us <clears throat> to pursue happiness or seek love where we will not ultimately find them, shaping a lot of how um, we typically live and behave. Um, last night, as I drove from where we live out of town, into town for the coldest night of the year walk, I realised with a start that I had left my phone at home. And the faint panic and sense of disorientation at the thought of being without it for a couple of hours made me think that i should actually start calling it not my cell phone but my mobile false program for happiness (laughs) (laughs) Um, of course it's just one of many such programs in my life um and most are a lot more subtle than my phone (laughs) having more to do with what i think i need to be or do or have, or I need others to be or do. Um, Keating saw our various programs for happiness falling into three main areas, Um, three main areas of instinctual need. He named them as security or survival, power or control, and esteem or affection. And he overlays these three areas on Jesus's desert temptations like this, quote, Jesus was tempted to satisfy his bodily hunger by seeking security in magic rather than in God, to jump off the pinnacle of the temple in order to make a name for himself as a wonder worker, and to fall down and worship Satan in order to receive in exchange absolute power over the nations of the world. Security, esteem, power, these are the three classic areas where temptation works on our false programs for happiness. In other words, just like us, Jesus was tempted to try to meet his needs in ways that not only would not satisfy, but that would inevitably be destructive for himself and others. That's what we see happening during his 40 days in the wilderness. In dramatic, mythical terms, we see him wrestling the way we all do as humans. But instead of falling for the false programs for happiness that he's presented with, he sees through them and knows that they are not really what he needs or wants. Over and over again, he remembers and returns to the source of his true security, agency, and affection. So what was Jesus' secret? Um, was it knowing the Bible better than Satan? Because <laughs> sometimes it kind of comes across like a bit of a kind of a Bible knowledge battle. <laughs> like uh, Satan saying, God says blah in the Bible. So if you're really the son of God, you should do this and Jesus being like, no, the Bible actually says this, so I'm not gonna, I think. <laughs> um, or was it Jesus just, uh, or was Jesus just extremely psychologically strong, like with willpower so robust that he could always resist temptation and do the right thing? Um, no. <laughs> I believe the secret that was, his, uh, the secret was that he had heard and believed and know that he was, and forever would be, the beloved. We could even retell the whole story as the devil finding various insidious ways of saying, if you are really the beloved, prove it. And Jesus responding each time, I don't need to prove it, I am it. That was his secret. And belovedness can, I believe, be our secret too. In a sense, we are already participating in the temptation part of Jesus' desert experience, day after day, moment by moment. Our entire lives could be viewed as one big wilderness, fraught with our own unique false programs for happiness, that get us stuck in suffering, personally, relationally, collectively, globally, environmentally. The invitation of Lent, then, could be seen um, as one as to move towards the freedom part of Jesus' desert experience, towards liberation from everything that traps, destroys, deceives and divides us. And the key to this, the secret, is being the beloved. This means that rather than focusing um, on how sinful we are, or giving something up in an attempt to gain spiritual brownie points, false program for happiness (laughs) the heart of the invitation of lent is to come to know our belovedness the way jesus did to receive it as a free gift that can never be earned or lost Um, each of us i think can find the unique ways the unique things that help us to grow into knowing and embodying our belovedness more deeply and some of those might be practiced alone Um, it took me many many years to concede that, but I did eventually, <laughs> that I need to start each day in a quiet solitude where I intentionally return again to God as the ground of my being and I let myself be rooted into that ground and I remember that I am God's beloved. From this ground, I'm more able to live in and from my belovedness, um, less likely, a little less likely <laughs> to get fooled and caught by my programs for happiness Um, Hopefully able to see it sooner when I inevitably am, and more apt to see the beloved in everyone I meet and treat them accordingly. Um, This is the ongoing work of a lifetime, but work in which, thankfully, God seems to be um, very interested and invested too. (laughs) And it's also work we do together. We need each other's help to remember and embody our essential belovedness. Uh, We can be Jesus with skin on for each other. Uh, Not that he didn't have skin. It's just like all sorts of different skin now. (laughs) Um, We can clearly and repeatedly remind each other in word and action, you are the beloved. You are loved and delighted in just as you are. We are mirrors of belovedness for each other. And this is even true when we initially struggle to see someone else's essential belovedness in struggling to and learning to perceive the beloved in every person, in every group, including those beyond our own groups, preferences or understandings, we hope to grow together into a collective knowledge of a belovedness that truly is essential, unearned and complete for me, for you, for us all. Until all of us are seen, and treated as the Beloved of God, we aren't there yet. Um, We become the Beloved together, or what Martin Luther King Jr. and others call the Beloved Community. Um, Part of our shared work as Beloved Community is identifying and dismantling our false programs for happiness. Because without each other's help, we just keep getting tricked by them as individuals. Um, and in the systems we participate in um, that lure us towards beliefs and actions that we think are for our benefit um, but are in fact destroying us other than the planet. So, um, this Lent, may we hear the call to continue to cooperate with God in the hard and beautiful work of growing into our essential belovedness individually and communally. Whether or not we give up anything specific for Lent, Um, may all we do be in the service of giving up the false programs for happiness that keep us from the fullness of joy, love, and life that are our collective birthright. May belovedness be the why and the how of our Lent, Um, but most of all, may it be our life's great secret, a secret that belongs to everyone. Um, And I want to just read us a blessing uh, from Jan Richardson. And I invite you to, if you like to do this, because not everyone does, um, kind of close your eyes, settle into your body, maybe notice your breath. And with your breath, allow yourself to become more grounded, allow your heart to open, and receive this blessing uh, just as Jesus received those words that alighted on him from above. If you would enter into the wilderness, do not begin without a blessing. Do not leave without hearing who you are, beloved, named by the one who has traveled this path before you. Do not go without letting it echo in your ears. And if you find it, it is hard to let it into your heart, do not despair. That is what this journey is for i cannot promise this blessing will free you from danger from fear from hunger or thirst from the scorching of sun or the fall of the night but i can tell you that on this path there will be help i can tell you that on this way there will be rest i can tell you that you will know the strange graces that come to our aid only on a road such as this that fly to meet us bearing comfort and strength, that come alongside us for no other cause than to lean themselves towards our ear and with their curious insistence whisper our name, Beloved, Beloved, Beloved.